This is episode number 143 with Dr. Christiane Northrup. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? This week's episode is brought to you by the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, also known as IIN. Now, I studied at IIN in 2011, and it honestly changed my life. No joke. Not only did it give me the tools that I was desiring to reclaim my health after experiencing burnout and ending up in hospital, now you can read more about that in my first book, Mastering Your Mean Girl, but it set me on my career path that I'm on now. It also lit the fire in my belly for helping others and being of service. And I went from an aspiring blogger to holistic health coach to speaker, best-selling author, and podcaster with a thriving seven-figure global business. And guess what? It all started with IIN. It paved the way for me, which is why I'm such an advocate for their program and why I'm one of their top ambassadors. And because I'm one of their top ambassadors, I get to offer you a special discount of $1,500 off your tuition. How cool is that? So whether you want to do this course for yourself so that you can arm yourself with all the knowledge that you need for you and your family to really thrive, or whether you're a yoga teacher, personal trainer, or health writer, and you want to add another tool to your toolkit, or whether you want an entirely new career as a certified holistic health coach, IIN is for you. To claim your $1,500 off your tuition, all you have to do is head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash IIN to find out more. Dr. Christiane Northrup is a board-certified OBGYN, former assistant clinical professor, New York Times best-selling author, and a visionary pioneer in women's health. After decades on the front lines of her profession as a practicing physician in obstetrics and gynecology, she is now dedicating her life to helping women truly flourish by learning how to enhance all that can go right with their bodies. She is a leading proponent of medicine that acknowledges the unity of mind, body, emotions, and spirit. Internationally known for her empowering approach to women's health and wellness, she teaches women and many men how to thrive at any stage of life and encourages them to create health on all levels by tuning in to their inner wisdom. You guys are going to love this podcast. It is so good. And she is such 
a kind, big-hearted person full of knowledge. I cannot wait for you guys to dive in. Because in today's episode, we chat about her story and how she got to where she is today and doing this amazing work for women all over the world. How to age gracefully. Yes, it is possible. Why aging doesn't have to be your reality. Why there is no such thing as one diet fits all. Why you need to look at the five most prominent people in your life how to dodge energy vampires, the truth about menopause, plus so much more. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that is over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 143. But before we dive into today's episode, I want to read the review of the week. And this is from The Cool Korea, and it's titled Live Better. And she says, I can't explain how my life has changed since meeting Melissa. I gobble up everything this woman produces because I know that life is better when I implement the wisdom from her guests and the tips from her heart. If you need a new podcast that entertains and informs, then this is it like a jolly big hug. Thank you so much. Oh, I'm so grateful for that beautiful review. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, head on over to iTunes and leave me a review now. I read every one of them and I just love them so much and I'm super grateful. And now without further ado, let's bring on the one, the only Dr. Christiane Northrup. Welcome, beautiful lady. It is so great to have you on the show. But before we dive into today's juicy conversation, can you please tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? I didn't have breakfast this morning because I often do at least a 12-hour fast every day. (laughs) So all I have is a little warm water with a little Himalayan sea salt in it. And then I went right to Pilates and I don't like to do any exercise on a full stomach. Mm, I agree. I can't do it. It just, it feels a bit uncomfortable. Yes. And when you're doing inversions, you know, Pilates is upside down (laughs) and this and that and the other, it's like doing yoga. So I very often don't have breakfast. And for years, I, like so many others, told people it was the most important meal of the day and it set the tone for your blood sugar the rest of the day. And I have changed my mind. I don't believe that any longer. Now, there are some people who wake up in the morning really hungry and they should have breakfast. I'm not one of them. Yeah, (laughs) me either. Me either. I honestly, sometimes I could go till lunchtime and I'm like, oh yeah, I haven't eaten anything and I'm not hungry. But I remember as a child waking up and being ravenous and just wanting to down a whole bowl of cereal with you know, conventional milk, because that's what I grew up on, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) But I remember, I think, you know, I was definitely high on the gluten and the sugar and the dairy at that age. And I think, you know, I was just constantly craving sugar all the time. Well, yes, you see, that's the whole thing. I mean, back in the day when I was delivering babies and everything, 
you'd go in the hospital, we'd have a meeting, a grand rounds at seven in the morning, you'd have coffee and a donut, or you'd have coffee and a bagel. And what that does is that just wrecks your blood sugar for the rest of the day. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. Now, when I first began on my health and wellness journey, which was back in 2010, one of the first books that I picked up was Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, which is one of your beautiful books. And it is a chunky book. It's chunky for those that haven't seen it. It's thick, but I loved it and it became my Bible. But before we dive into what we're going to talk about today, can you tell us about your story and how you got to where you are today doing the beautiful work that you do for women now? Yes. That story started very, very, very early. And that was when I was a a kid. My mother was pregnant with a baby girl who I named Bonnie. And my mother had viral pneumonia that entire pregnancy. We all went to Fort Lauderdale, Florida for her to try to heal. And she was put on an antibiotic called streptomycin every single day, every day, every day, every day, because back then they didn't know that antibiotics do not kill viruses. The baby was born and at six months she stopped eating and was hospitalized and my mother was unable to hold her because back in those days, hospitals were fortresses against germs. And she died in a pool of her own vomit. Oh, my gosh. And then my brother, Bill, was born a while later. And he also wouldn't eat. And they didn't know why. And a nurse came up to my mother and said, if I were you, I would get him out of here. They don't know what's wrong. Now, that would never happen today. And so my parents signed him out of the hospital against medical advice because they thought if he's going to die, he will at least die in the arms of his own family. You couldn't do that today. The Department of Health and Human Services would take your child from you. But my parents did it. My dad was a dentist. His brother and sister were both medical doctors. And then my dad put down a nasogastric tube and fed my brother every hour on the hour until he was nearly a year old and he weighed 10 pounds. And the doctors told my mother that he was mentally defective. They finally found a doctor, a woman doctor in Philadelphia, and she was a pioneer in pediatric endoscopy. So she put a fiber optic light down his esophagus and said, that if they continued with the tube, his esophagus would perforate and he would die. So they stopped the tube feedings and he went without eating. And the doctor said, let's just see what happens. And within two days, he was eating. And when she came home with him from the hospital, he was eating a roll. We all met them at the airport because I had uh, there were four of us in addition to Bill. And we all cried. And so when I went to medical school, which I never intended to do, I remember saying to my mother, I'm going to find out why doctors don't talk to you. I had a very, very early on experience of the failure of medicine. And I just grew up already radicalized, you could say. My dad's brother and sister were conventional medical doctors. They thought we were health nuts. That same brother, by the way, is now running an international company, doing very well. When I interviewed for medical school at the University of Buffalo, 
the guy who interviewed me had been my brother's primary physician. And he said, you're not one of those Northrop's from Ellicottville, are you? I said, oh, yes, I am. And you could tell <laughs> that he was sure my brother would be mentally defective or would have died. And, you know, and I remember thinking, yeah, and no thanks to you. Because, it, you know, it, there was very little compassion. They didn't know what was going on, but they wouldn't admit it. So I went to medical school. Then I saw a baby born and nearly fell to the floor with sort of pain-filled joy, joy-filled pain. And it wasn't really until this year that I realized all of that was the, was the result of me trying to heal my mother's pain at losing a baby, that I went into OBGYN to try to heal my mother's pain and my own pain about that whole thing. And that's why I cried when I first saw a baby born. So you could say that this, you know, it led to that whole experience in childhood led to this career in women's health, you know, trying to save my mother. <laughs> that, that's a big responsibility for you. It's pretty horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, you know, I started life kind of old. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And the work that you do now for women is just so important and so heartfelt. I feel like everything you do is just really about getting to the core of what's going on. And yes, you help people with the physical, but you really are getting deep. You know, you oh, go yeah. really deep. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which I love. And I mean, you cover so many different areas in your work from aging to menopause to energy vampires. <laughs> and I love that concept. But within your work, you, you do talk a lot about the goddess never aging, which I love. Yeah. But aging is something that many people are afraid of. So let's talk about that. How can we reprogram that? First of all, you need to understand the difference between chronologic and biologic age. So there are people who are 30 going on 80 and people who are 80 going on 30. So it's very important to understand how individual the growing older process is. One of my favorite quotes is from Mario Martinez, the founder of the Biocognitive Institute. Getting older is inevitable. Aging is optional. Mm. And you'll notice, any one of us will notice that if you go back to, say, your 25th high school reunion, the geeks who were kind of, you know, never could play sports or anything, you know, they're now running international companies and looking great. And the people who peaked early at the age of 17 have pot bellies and look horrible. So <laughs> we really have enormous control over how we grow older. And most of what we learn from our culture is how to do it. Cultural portals teach us what is supposed to happen. So, you know, if you're 35 and you haven't had a baby yet, the culture, at least in the U.S., will teach you that it's too late and you're going to need reproductive technologies. If you're turning 65, the age of retirement, the culture will teach you you should be now retired to a Gulf community and that your sex life is over and that life is just one kind of slow slide into chronic illness. None of this needs to be true. And that's why I love Dr. Martinez's work, which was a backup really for goddesses never age, because he did research studying 700 healthy centenarians all over the world. That's 
people healthy. And what he points out is gerontology is the study of the pathology of aging. But what he did was study healthy people who were older, and he found out that they practice the causes of health. Imagine that, right? The causes of health. (laughs) And those are elevated cognition, like what we're doing, thinking, uplifting thoughts, exalted emotions, which is like joy. And also one of my faves, righteous anger. When your innocence or that of another has been threatened, you do something about it. Like if a waitress is being treated poorly at the next table, you stand up and say something. That improves immunity. Mm, Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I guess because you're not suppressing. You're not suppressing something that may have risen within you and you're actually speaking it. So that makes sense. Doesn't it though? And it's, and what do we think as women? We're taught don't ever be angry, right? Yeah. Like you should yeah. never be angry. Men are allowed to be angry. Women are not allowed to be angry. So what do we do instead? We get breast cancer because that's resentment. <laughs> yeah. And we sweep it under the carpet and we pretend it's not happening and we put on this happy face like, yeah, everything's fine when really. Exactly right. I'm fine. Oh, it's great. Little Susie sunshine. I call that being a shit cake. And that is like, you feel like shit, but you've got your sugar coating it. Mm, Exactly. (laughs) So, So tell us what that does to not only our health, but to aging. What does that suppression of emotions do to, to aging and to our health? What is it doing to us? Okay, so every emotion is accompanied by an entire cascade of metabolic processes in the body. So let's say something is driving you nuts, but you don't feel like you can say anything. And you don't even feel like you can express it because someone is going to tell you, oh, you're being negative. And so what happens is you kind of swallow it. And for many women, what they do is eat sugar or eat gluten or eat something that is an opiate to try to dull the pain. Because emotional pain registers the same place in the brain as physical pain. So it's literally accompanied by a rise in cortisol, which is if you've ever seen anyone on prednisone, you know what that does. Easy bruising, weight gain, immune system depression. So when they're chronically stressed, it's like your body's on prednisone. And your immune system is depleted, making you far more susceptible to infections and to things like cancer. So that's what it does emotionally. It also goes into, it also goes into the fascia of the body. The fascia is the connective tissue, which is a crystalline grid in the body. It's, it, it functions as a crystal. Bones, teeth, and the fascia are all crystals and they hold information, just like a quartz watch or just like a a crystal radio set. And so nothing happens in your life that doesn't get recorded in your tissue. So look at the people who get kind of bent over with age, right? I mean, if you ask an 11-year-old, what will you look like when you're 80? Do you know what they do? They lean over like they're walking with a cane because they're automatically programmed to think that growing older means you will get bent over. But you will not get bent over if you understand posture, 
and if you understand the effect of certain emotions on the body. So when people's shoulders are hunched forward, they often feel unlovable or they have grief or anything like that. And when you begin to work on your posture and work on fascia, then these things are all released. I had bilateral frozen shoulders two years ago. Couldn't put on a jacket for almost a year. And I knew it was emotional. Everyone's running to the doctor and they get, you know, pain medication and they whatever. I knew it was emotional. It was opening my heart, healing that little wounded child who was trying to save her mother. You know, that's the sort of thing that goes in in childhood. But it is sort of part of our our karma, really, to heal that. Because when we heal that in us, we heal it in the world. Absolutely. And I'm just reflecting back to some people in my life that have that posture, that hunched forward, and they are very much victims as well. You know, they're really like, poor me, and they've got this closed heart. And it makes so much sense that if you are shutting off your heart, yeah, your shoulders come forward. So instead of going to the doctor and getting this pain medication and and fixing it that way, it's you've got to look at the emotional side. You've got to look at what's really going on and opening that big, beautiful heart of yours and healing that trauma, like you said. Yes, which by the way, so let's let everybody know this. You often will not know what the trauma was until after the thing is over with. So what I do and what I think is so useful is whatever you have manifested in your body. So let's take an example, a recent example of mine in my own life, because that's always safe. (laughs) I can tell you exactly what was going on. Right when Mars went direct on Monday, August 27th, after being retrograde all summer. Now, Mars is the god of war, but it's also our, our energy. And just before it went direct, I developed this unbelievable rash on the left side of my neck. That's the feminine side. The neck is the will, it's the fifth chakra. And it also went down the whole right side of my chest. And I mean, it was really itchy and all the rest of it. And I knew how angry I was about an interaction I had with a person who was undermining my authority when it came to my knowledge about vitamin D levels. And he had sent his family an article from the New York Times. And, you know, we have many, many, many people on the planet, at least in the United States, that if it's in the New York Times, it must be true. But if it's not in the New York Times, it can't possibly be true. Vitamin D levels are one of my things that I've known about forever that when they're optimal, you have a tremendously decreased risk of heart disease, multiple sclerosis, breast cancer, osteoporosis, and so on. And the dermatologists have kind of taken over the the sun conversation, making everybody feel that sun exposure will cause melanoma, even though that's not true. Well, anyway, I was so angry at, at sort of being forced to defend my position. I realized I've been defending my position and what I know and what I feel for decades. And I'm done. I'm sick of it. I don't, you know, how many books and studies and TV shows and PBS specials does one have to do before finally you don't have to have these discussions? And I realized, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't have to have this discussion now. 
everybody is a biochemical individual. This works for some people. It doesn't work for other people. Each of us has to check inside. Is this going to work for me? Does this feel right to me? If it does, you do it. If it doesn't, you don't do it. But I do not need to stand up as the authority and battle data and be in a debate with someone about the scientific literature because it's endless. For every study that you can quote, I can quote another that says exactly the opposite. In other words, there's no understanding there. There's no health there. And medicine, the reason they say practice it is that's what we're all doing. There is no one right answer for everybody. Mm, Bioindividuality, it's so important. And this is something that I'm really passionate about with this podcast is helping the listeners get to that place where they realize that one size doesn't fit all. Because there's so much information out there and you can get really caught up in, well, she's doing this, so I'm going to do that. Or right, right. he said that and that works for him, so I'm going to try that. But we're all so different. And how can we say that one size fits all? And I just I love that you mentioned that. And it's really about deepening your connection with yourself and really getting to know yourself on a deep level and what works for you and what makes you thrive and experimenting and practicing with yourself. It's, it's, it's never ending. It's never ending. And that's okay. So you also asked, you know, how do we avoid, you know, the decrepitude, the inevitable, what people think is the inevitable decrepitude of getting older. You do it by moving through time and space with access to your inner wisdom. And so we know, for instance, that as you move through time, there are areas of your body that you have disowned, like me and my heart and my back. Literally, I did not, I have not felt my mid-back between the shoulder blades until the last year or so because there were knots of muscles there because of literally an energetic shield of protection that I had placed around me. Now, this isn't conscious. And so the, the shoulder problem was about me beginning to feel lovable and me finally attending to the needs of the unhealed four-year-old within me who needed more love, not less. And so when you approach your physical symptoms in this way, then you bring in the spiritual part of yourself that is the ultimate guidance. You really ask your spirit to show you the way. And so it doesn't matter what popular books are out there. Okay, so everyone's eating vegan now, or they're all keto, or they're, you know, plant-based, or they're gluten-free. There is a diet that works for your Akashic record, for how who you were in a past life. If you were Asian, I, I have a daughter who was called an egg by all of her friends in college. They said, you know, she is white on the outside, yellow on the inside. It's like she is drawn to the Asian diet. She's drawn to Asian friends and she grew up in Maine, but she obviously has an affinity for that. The other daughter who I brought up macrobiotic said to me at the age of six, when I grow up, I'm not going to be a vegetarian. She, she tucked into a Cornish game hen that I once served at 
at Christmas. We were going way out of our way. I thought, oh, once a year, we'll have some animal food. She tucks into that and she goes, I love this codfish. She didn't even know what it was. (laughs) What she knew is that her body needed animal protein Mm -hmm. and the other kid doesn't. Those are both my daughters, you see. Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so important that we tune into that and we stay in our own lane. I talk about this a lot on the podcast. Stay in your own lane. Stop looking to the left or the right and seeing what. <laughs> yes, you're so right. <laughs> what, what is everyone else doing? What's Melissa doing? What's everyone else doing? It's like, well, what feels good for me? And taking in your your dosha and your constitution and where you live in the world and your past lives. Like, there's so much to consider. Like, my husband and I, we have very different body types. Like, he, we eat very, very differently because we need different things. And that's really important that you honor that and you stay true to that because that is how you're going to thrive. And I love what you spoke about before about the whole aging thing and it it being, you know, a choice. And Nick's, my husband's grandma, she was doing yoga. She died at, I think, 96. She was doing yoga. She was doing yoga up until 95 years old. No joke. Like, and, and she just chose to not have that image of crippled over with a walking stick as her reality. And that's the thing, you know, like you are creating your life moment by moment you are writing your future by your current thoughts. So what you think about is what you will manifest. And if you have this visual or these beliefs around, or when you get to a certain age, it's it's the drugs and it's the walking stick and the wheelchair, and I won't be able to do yoga and things like that. That's essentially what you may manifest. No, that is exactly, that's exactly what you'll manifest. And also, okay, so we all know this one, you're kind of going to manifest whatever the five of your closest friends have. You've probably heard this thing, your income will be the average of your five closest friends. (laughs) So if you want to be, have a better income, you got to change your friends if if they're not so prosperous. Same with health. I've found that I have no tolerance for being around people who have a, a lot of health complaints. I just have no tolerance for it at all. So for everyone listening who's reflecting on their five friends right now, <laughs> right? People might be like, "Okay, it's time to get some new ones." <laughs> Mostly, okay, health is wealth. Health is the ultimate wealth. So you want to definitely pay attention to the conversations that you're having. Are your get-togethers Organ recitals, so my kidneys are doing this and my heart is doing this. And it's like, and they told me my blood pressure and the doctor said, oh my God. I mean, if I want to hear, and my doctor said, no, how about what is, what are you saying inside? What is your internal dialogue? People give the medical profession so much power. Take it back, everyone. Mm, Absolutely. And start to surround yourself with healthy and happy people, you know, and, and if you are around someone and they are the negative Nancy, or as you say, these energy vampires, literally change the subject, lift the mood, change the energy or change your state, as Tony Robbins says, and lift the mood because 
it's not thriving for anyone to be in that sort of environment. It isn't, but I want everyone to know there's a type of person, it's about one in five people with what's called a personality disorder. It's not like organic mental illness. It's literally a personality disorder. They don't act right. And they stir things up. They often will pick a fight or start to criticize or put you down for what is called narcissistic supply. And it's very important that you know this because no matter how hard you try to change the state, uplift the conversation, they're going to take it down because it gives them your energy. So if you're defending yourself, see, that's what I was doing when I got the rash. I was sort of trying to defend myself. And then I finally realized, wait a minute, you don't have to have this conversation. Next time someone sends you one of those emails, you just repeat, send back, either don't do anything or put back no comment. Like, I'm not going to sit here and defend this. This is a person who has no knowledge of what I'm talking about whatsoever. Why am I defending this? I'm going to drop the rope in this tug of war. But please know, everybody, one in five people has a narcissistic personality disorder, sociopath, borderline personality disorder. They live on controlling others. They live on conflict. You just need to know this. And they are going to Melanie Tonya Evans, who's from Australia says these people make you feel like crap. I like her acronym. Criticize, reject, abandon, and punish. And there are people who just do that all the time. You cannot uplift those conversations. The only thing to do is to put some distance between you and them. Or if it's a parent or a child, which it sometimes is, you have a time-limited interaction. Mm. So you know that going to a movie works. So you start at six at night and you end at eight. Thank you very much. I'm going home now. Yeah, I love that. And this is something that I've been very mindful of over the past couple of years. And I'm really good at it now because (laughs) my energy is just too precious. It really is. It's just too precious. And, you know, there is someone in my life who is you know, blood related and is that type of person. And I just have to do what you said. And it's a time limit. You know, I've got these windows where I can handle it, but any longer. And I'm like, okay, it's time for me to leave. And that's okay. That's okay. We can do that. Yes. There's, if you don't know who it is, pay attention to this. You're with them. You cannot keep your eyes open. You feel like you're going to fall asleep. It is the weirdest thing. And I just talked to a professional psychic, Julie Ryan, and she said when she's reading people and they have an energy vampire attached to them, she said it's like umbilical cords going right into their third chakra, right into their belly. She said they are, it's like a sinewy energy field that's just like an umbilical cord. And those, those things are tough. Now you can clear them, but let's be very clear. There are people who are going to put their tentacles in you to get your energy and you got to not let that happen. How do we not let that happen? First of all, by number one, knowing what you're dealing with. So you now know there's a family member who, where this happens. And so you make sure 
that it doesn't continue to happen, but you limit the contact. All right. So you know, you've got to know what you're dealing with. The other thing I want people to know is you've got to deal with your super traits. There's a subgroup of people out there, and I'm one of them, and you probably are too, who have on personality testing super traits of loyalty, can do, work ethic, optimism, very good at running things. And this is the work of Sandra Brown, who wrote Women Who Love Psychopaths. And what she found is that there was this subgroup of women who were targeted by psychopaths. And these are women who were not learned helplessness. They were not codependent. They were lawyers, doctors, CEOs, federal judges, and their lives worked beautifully, except in intimate relationships. And the reason is we see the potential in everybody and we have the patience of a saint and we can hang around all they have to do is give us a crumb and we think we've had a three-course meal and we fall in love with their potential or who we think that they could be. And all the while, they're feeding off narcissistic supply that they give to us because we think that they're like that because they were wounded in childhood. And so we, we believe that only hurt people hurt people. And so we give them our life energy and all the skills that work for us in our business are absolutely deadly in an intimate relationship where we are so self-contained that we don't really need much in the way of reciprocity because we have a lot to give. And the well doesn't go dry till we've been with these individuals like 30 years and then your hair is falling out and you got Lyme disease or chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia or rheumatoid arthritis or lupus and you have, and you have executive function disorder because they gaslight you and make you crazy. My gosh. And we don't have to put up with it. We don't have to put ourselves in the fire. And I think becoming aware of these types of people and then putting these boundaries and time restrictions or limitations for the interactions, I think that is absolute key here. Because what happens if we continue to let these energy vampires suck the life out of us? What happens? We literally get immune system dysfunctions. We get cancer. We get chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia. We get, we literally, you get what's called because of cognitive dissonance. You know, you believe, oh, these people are really very loving, but they're not acting very loving. And you've been making excuses for them for 20 years. And they say that they love you, but then they treat you like crap. It, it causes what's called cognitive dissonance. In other words, what you believe to be true, but what you're experiencing are completely two different things. So you start to think you're crazy. Mm -hmm. This is a real health risk. And I wrote the book, Dodging Energy Vampires, because I realized that there were all these women who were eating perfectly, doing yoga, being vegans or doing a nice keto, whatever, no matter what they did, they were still sick. And it had to do with being in relationship with an energy vampire. And my own experience in psychiatry, my own experience in my own life, led me to see that there's a certain type of person who is preyed on by these individuals. So I like to say, you have not been chosen, you've been targeted. Now, 
Do you get on Netflix that documentary Wild Wild Country about Rajneesh? Oh, I haven't checked. I'm sure it is on Netflix. Okay, yeah. so, so, so check that, Wild Wild Country. It's an astounding documentary about an energy vampire who was kicked out of India and then came to the United States to take over a town of Antelope, Oregon, and try to take over the legislature and all of that. The man had, I don't know, a hundred gold Rolexes or diamond Rolexes, 95 Rolls Royces, all of these middle-class, well-educated white students gave him all their money to join this cult where they were encouraged to have sex with everybody, including people you didn't like, men with men, women with women. I don't know if they got horses in there or not, but it's the most astounding story of how someone can be so charismatic and they literally do mind control. And it's important for people to know that this exists. I mean, look at what's happened with the Catholic Church. What were they doing all of these years while the priests were sexually abusing little kids, right? Mm. Same thing. Same thing. We've got to, we've got to see. And what happens with old souls like me is that we are born with an inferior ego. So we're always looking for things about ourselves to improve. Energy vampires are born with a superior ego. They think that they're better than everyone else. And they're often very seductive and very good looking and very charismatic. <laughs> so they're hard to take your eyes off of. Wow. Yes. I've loved learning more about this in your book. It's just amazing. So anyone who wants to learn more about how to dodge these energy vampires, I will link to your latest book in the show notes so we can check that out. But I would love to switch gears a little bit now and ask you, what do you attribute all of your success to? Soul qualities. <laughs> Soul qualities. And the fact that I was born in the year of the ox, and I am slow, plodding, but relentless. And I also never, ever, ever had any idea about being famous or anything. That was never a goal. What was always the goal was to uplift a situation, and I was seeing things in my practice. Way back, you asked me, you know, how did I get here? When I went to med school and when I started to do women's health, I began to see things that no one was talking about. Women would sit down on the couch in my office. They'd begin to cry. They would tell me about sexual abuse. Now, remember, this was in the 80s. This was long before Me Too, the Me Too movement. And I knew right away that the suffering in their physical body was related to the abuse that they had suffered. And it was so many women. And my colleagues said, oh, you see all the crazy women. We only see normal women. But I persisted. And I also have a lot of courage because I was really roundly criticized for that first book, Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. When the wisdom of menopause came out, I lost my teaching position at the University of Vermont. The powers that be generally do not like you to suggest that there's another way to look at things. So I have had a lot of courage to realize that I would, I would do this work way back if I had to live in a trailer and that there was things that needed to be said. And I was the person to say them. It just felt like 
I had no choice, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like I had avoided telling this kind of truth maybe for lifetimes. And this time I finally said, okay, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank goodness you are doing it because you're such a trailblazer. And I love that you're rewriting aging and you're rewriting menopause and how it can be. And wisdom of menopause, I just love that so much. And maybe we should bring you on to chat just about that for another whole episode because I love that you are rewriting this because it doesn't have to be like you said, with aging, it doesn't have to look and be a certain way, does it? No. And that's the thing, you know, that's been so much fun, right? As I've gone through all of these stages from, you know, the menstrual cycle to pregnancy and birth to menopause. And every time I'd get to a different stage personally, I would say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now I know what this is about. Like the menopause was, oh, wow, this is the biggest wake up call that we get. This is the beginning of living from the inside out. The family trance begins to lift and you say, what about me? What about my life? And what does the culture do? It makes you feel like this is the end for you, that you're no longer useful. So I began to see, oh, wow, the places where we have the most power is where we've been told not to look or where we've been told you're useless and you are no longer valuable. Those are the places with the most power. Wow, I love that. And for anyone listening who is currently going through menopause, please check out Wisdom of Menopause and, and all of your amazing work. And maybe someone listening might have a parent or have someone in their life that's going through it. So even for us understanding what they're going through is really beneficial. Cause I remember, you know, thinking, oh, she's just going crazy. You know, like when I was thinking about my mom, like she's just going crazy, but you just reframed that so beautifully. It's about, you know, coming back into, wow, now I can really step back into who I truly am. And once I've, you know, had my babies and done all my parenting, this is about me stepping back into myself. Yes. And let's be clear, generally speaking, your family's not going to like it because they want you to be available to fold the towels and cook the meals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, so there's a, there's an individuation process that goes on there. For instance, I've had many men say to me, thank you. Thank you for writing that book. I now understand why my wife wants to go back to college or why she wants to start a business and I will fully support her. Wow, that's so beautiful. Yeah. My husband and I started ballroom and Latin dance classes together about eight months ago. And Oh, good for you. Isn't it fun? Uh, it is. <laughs> it's the best fun ever. And he's a musician, so we're actually learning a rumba to one of his songs at the moment, and it's so fun. But there is this beautiful 80-year-old lady that goes to our school, and she's always got her lesson before us, and she's 80, and she's quite fragile, and her name is Annie. And seeing her, you know, she's been there for about 10 years, And just seeing the joy that the dancing brings to her and the the way her face lights up, it's just so beautiful. And I said to her, I was like, you know, when did you get into this? And she said, oh, about five or 10 years ago. And I said, why did you do it? 
And she was like, because I've always wanted to. Yes. Yes. That's why I started Tango. Same thing. I'd always wanted to. And then, you know, I did it. I did it for nine years and I loved it. And now it's in my body and I have it if I, if I need it or want it. But it, it literally had to do with somehow downloading in my body that close embrace, that sensual energy, that yin yang, masculine and feminine, which you and your husband are experiencing together. It's really fun. Oh, it's so fun. And it's really interesting because I actually used to be a professional dancer and he has never danced before in his life. And it's funny because I can pick up the steps a lot faster than he can because it's like riding a bike for me and watching me try and like step into the masculine. And he's just like, whoa, 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 baby. Like I'm leading here. I'm leading. That's it. That's it. You know, you can't have two people leading. And so I'm like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) surrender, (laughs) Melissa, let go of control, surrender, let go and just allow him to kind of lead the way. It's, It's such a beautiful metaphor for life. Oh, it is. And that's one thing, you know, having been this sort of North Node in Aries pioneer, learning tango and and learning to receive the lead of another human being, male or female, the, you know, masculine part was just heaven, you know, to close my eyes and just be taken on a trip around the dance floor with me not having to think about a thing except responding to this gorgeous music. Uh, it really was very healing. Mm. And are you still doing it now? You know, I haven't. I haven't been in a while because it's almost like, you know, like if you have a deficiency of, let's say, vitamin D, you got to push vitamin D into your body for a while. The Holic protocol is 50,000 international units weekly for eight weeks, and then you get your level to where it needs to be. I believe that my level of close embrace and touch and sensuality was so low that it took about about eight years of regular tango, like going to all the lessons, going to all the stuff. I, I was compelled. But now I'm, it's, you know, it's all kind of complete and I feel whole onto myself and I have other things that I'm doing. So it's almost like that need isn't there anymore. Now I would, I would do it with a regular partner, I think. But right now I'm feeling like I like doing other things. It's interesting. Yeah, perfect. Just flowing with what's current. I love that. Yeah, that's, that's right. It's not coming from, oh God, you know, I wish that I could do this or would do this. No, I really, and I have to say, and I want people to know this, learning tango as a midlife woman was much harder than med school because I'd go in (laughs) there, you know, and well, you know how it is. You go into dance class and there generally are not enough leaders. There aren't enough men. And so, you know, I thought, oh, just what the world needs, another midlife woman who wants to learn how to dance and is taking up, you know, all the leaders here. But I just kept going until I got to know the whole community and I was dancing regularly with everyone and had this, you know, I made one of the rooms in my house into a tango room and put up mirrors and I had tango parties and I just did it until I had a whole new group of friends. And it was the best thing I ever did. Oh, that is so beautiful. I love that you put a room in your house with the tango mirrors. That's awesome. So what's bringing you the most joy in your life right now? Oh, a brand new relationship with the man of my dreams. 
<laughs> mm, beautiful. Yeah, and he cooks. He loves to、oh. cook, and he's very inspired. And he says, "I want to learn to be a better chef." So we watch Chef's Table again on Netflix. Check、oh, it out. Oh my gosh! Do love it. They've just released a pastry series, and there is an amazing one where she makes this thing called crack pie, and it's actually in Brooklyn, in New York. You have to watch that episode.、Okay. It's so okay, good. Okay, we'll be watching that. We'll be watching that. <laughs> It's the best TV show. It's amazing. Yeah, it's beautifully done, and so I'm eating better than I ever have in my life. I mean, you know, beautiful, beautiful food prepared for me, and I just cleaned up my entire kitchen so he has a better space to work, and he has a beautiful place, you know, on the ocean up in northern Maine, and so I've been going there a lot this summer. But I also have this fantastic natural swimming pool, and all these frogs have come. So I'm, you know, I'm communing with these cleansing frogs regularly. So life has really taken a, a wonderful blossoming turn.、Mm, that is so beautiful. Yeah. Now, what's one thing that you're working on or would like to improve within yourself at the moment? Oh, I, I would really like to continue working on my shoulders and my torso, getting the the bound up fascia changed. With the shoulders much more free, and also the hips. So I have this right hip thing. Now, believe me, these are subtle. These are subtle. My body works great, but I would love to get the hip and shoulder girdles aligned perfectly, and get the get all of the early distortions out of there. Like the right hip is still a little bit wonky, and that's because. You know, I spent my whole life with the masculine side leading, the right side leading. So most all of my my pathology in life has been on the right side, because I need to bring in more of the intuitive, more of the feminine. So what I'm really working on is owning my intuitive gifts, owning my dreams and my psychic side. I, you know, I've really had to. Kind of fight that part of myself in order to be accepted in the world of medicine, and I've done that. You know, I, I started out becoming board certified in a specialty, despite really always believing in angels and spirit guides and all the rest of it. You know, but I became respectable in the Western world, so that now I have a platform in which I really can help people embrace. This other side of themselves. When did you merge the two? Well, I actually started out, you know, with them merged. Like I said about my childhood, I、uh, read a book about angels called Natives of Eternity when I was twelve, and became transfixed by the angels of birth and the angels of death and the divas of fire and wind, and always believed in fairies. It's not like I've seen any of these things, by the way. I don't see it. But I've always known that that was real, and then I just kind of, you know, went underground and did what I had to do to become the doctor that I became. And so only now am I feeling okay. It's time to delve into the more artistic parts. But I'm also, you know, I'm updating women's bodies, women's wisdom, cover to cover, and the wisdom of menopause, cover to cover, so that these books will now bookend. My career, you know, so that I'll have. They started in、uh, in the nineties, 
And then they'll come out like completely brand shiny new in about, you know, 2019, 2020. And then I won't do that kind of work anymore, I don't think. (laughs) Wow. You have just had such an amazing journey and I've loved that you've been able to merge the two. And how many books have you had out now? How many books have you got out now? Sorry. Oh, man. Okay. Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, Wisdom of Menopause, Mother, Daughter, Wisdom, Goddesses Never Age, Dodging Energy Vampires, then a little one called The Secret Pleasures of Menopause, The Secret Pleasures Playbook. So that's about seven. Wow. Now, if you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world, besides your seven books, which absolutely need to be in the curriculum, what is one book that you would choose? Oh, I would put The Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton. Oh, yes. That is such a life-changing book. I've actually had Bruce on the podcast and he was amazing. Oh, I love Bruce. So amazing. I love Bruce. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful human beings. Yes. Mm -hmm. We'll link to that in the show notes and the episode for anyone who wants to listen and read The Biology of Belief. It's life-changing. Please, please, please read it. Yes. Now let's talk about, you've touched on it at the very start, a little bit about your morning routine and your day. I love hearing about how people prime themselves for the day and and how their days unfold. So can you talk us through you know, a standard day. I know there's probably no two days are ever the same, but in particular, your morning routine as well. Okay. So my morning routine when I'm here at home with myself is I get up. Well, first of all, I wake up and I then stay in bed for a moment to see if there's any dream fragments. Now for seven years, I had a very rigorous dream practice where I would dictate and then transcribe all of my dreams, and then work on them with Dr. Doris E. Cohen, who wrote a book called Dreaming on Both Sides of the Brain. Absolutely wonderful. And so I did about a seven-year dream process. So I pay attention to the dreams. I give the dream a title, write it down in my journal, because I can use those for guidance. Let me give you a well, I know that, you know, I don't know if you want to know how you interpret a dream, but I do that. And then uh, recently I have begun, I have a chin-up bar in my bedroom and I don't do chin-ups. What I do instead is I stand on a stool and I, I hang so that I'm using my body weight, but not in a way that is anything except kind of luscious, where I'm just hanging and stretching out all of that fascia in my shoulders and back and elongating my torso and beginning the day like as elongated as I can. Beautiful. My husband does that every day as well. And I do it when I go to the monkey bars. I love it. It just feels so good. Yes. Right. Really good. Yes. Yeah. And then what happens after that? Then what I do is I go into the bathroom and I have about a 14 ounce glass of tepid water or warm. And I'll sometimes put lemon in it or I put in Himalayan sea salt a little bit to hydrate my body. And very often then I'm off to Pilates where I do not only Pilates, but I go to my, my teacher is an intuitive movement healer. In fact, if you go to Facebook, 
Center for Intuitive Movement Healing. You can see her Facebook page and some of the videos she's done on rehabilitating your feet and so on. And so I'll go and have a an individual session with her. Then I go to the office. I have an old schoolhouse, 100-year-old schoolhouse, where Diane, with whom I've worked for 38 years, works. She was my first nurse. So I go over to see what's going on for the day, what we're going to be scheduling. And so we will often go over things. We'll have lunch together. We do divine love meditation for each other. Then I will come home. Recently, I will take a bike ride. I really love, turns out, cycling. I've got the, you know, toe clips and the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm enjoying that. Many times my granddaughter will come over for a swim with her mom and dad. So we do that. Then I will have some kind of a dinner. And then my reward, you know, many people have a glass of wine. At the end of the day, I lie down on my biomat and watch Netflix. <laughs> Sounds yes. beautiful. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. I and love somewhere that. in there, obviously, I'll work on a couple chapters of the revisions, you know, and get that sent out to the editor that I'm working with. And that, that just goes in, you know, that's, part of the day we work on, like today, the descriptions of the upcoming radio shows. On Wednesday, I have my Hay House radio show at 11 to 12 Eastern Standard Time, where I take live callers and have various guests and so on. So I, you know, I do that too. There's a, there's, you know, the blog gets written and then there's all the social media stuff and, you know, that, that takes up the day. I know. I know. It does, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. As you know, right, right. Yeah, it does take up the day. And I've listened to your Hay House radio show. It's amazing. So thank you for doing that. And do you have two daughters? And how many grandchildren do you have? I have two daughters and two granddaughters. Oh, so wow. my, my youngest daughter has the, the two little girls. They are five months and nearly three. Oh, so cute. And, and well, we have a ball. We have a ball. I love them. Yeah, And I bet that has been... A beautiful transition as well, going from motherhood to becoming a grandmother in that phase and just watching your evolution through that has probably been so fascinating. Well, I'll tell you, I was shocked by it because I didn't, you know, there's a lot of women and they're, you know, they're bugging their daughters. When are you going to have grandchildren for me? That kind of thing. And I didn't. That's what, that's what my mom's doing right now. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't care one way or another. Like, have them if you want to. That's fine. And then Penelope was born. And at the time, my daughter and her husband had signed up this other couple they're really close with that if anything happened to them, you know, she would go to this other couple. I looked at both of them and I go, oh, no. Oh, no. Anything happens to you two she's coming here. She's mine. I was like, I was shocked by how transfixed I was by her. And we're really close, Aww. you know, but I was not, I was not expecting that. I mean, I've heard people say how great being a grandmother was, but I just didn't sort of expect it. Mm, that's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I'm a massive believer in gratitude. So I'd love to hear what are three things you're most recently grateful for? Oh, I'm really incredibly grateful for the fact that my backyard is now this incredible oasis of beauty with these fantastic cleansing frogs. I'm grateful for looking out at the marsh beyond my house, and there's this incredible golden light that's right at this time of day. 
And then three, I'm really grateful for the fact that I have two women who have worked with me for years and years and years, and they're loyal beyond anything. And we have this fantastic business that works, that allows me to talk to you and have it be easy and have it be all set up. And it's really wonderful. Mm, Beautiful. Now I've got three rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is one of the most important things that we can all do today for our health? Breathe. Yeah. Breathe through your nose and make it so that it's really, really deep and in through your nose and out through your nose and do that consciously. Love it. All right. What is one of the most important things that we can do for more wealth in our life? So more abundance in all areas of our life, not just our finances. Become a wide open vessel for receiving. And you do that by paying attention to the good that's coming into your life now. And then the other thing to do is become a safe container for money. And what that means is arrange your bills in your wallet in a beautiful way so that all the denominations are together, showing that you respect the money and become a solid container. So you know where the money is going, you know where it's coming from, and you stop your poverty talk. There's never enough. I don't know where how ends are going to meet. Stop that. Start talking and acting abundantly. Money is listening. It has ears. And if you constantly are talking crap about it, as if it's going to come to you, it's like, no way. I'm going to go somewhere else. So I I love that. I love that. Be a safe vessel to circulate money. And, you know, all my life, my wallet has always been pristine. I don't have any receipts. I don't have any junk in my wallet. I've always had all of my notes perfectly lined up the right way around in largest to smallest. It's just something that I've always done. And one abundance seminar that I went to, he made us pull out our wallets and he made us reorder our wallets and get rid of any junk that was in there. He also made us throw out all of our like discount cards, you know, things uh-huh. like that. Yes, yes, yes. And it, <laughs> and his theory was by having those you are sending a message to the universe saying I can't afford it full price. It's the same with the senior discount by the way. Mario Martinez says never take the senior discount. Mm, that's so interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Isn't, isn't it? Because it says to the universe, oh, I'm too old to pay my way. Yeah. I must be decrepit and my earning power has decreased. Mm, exactly. <laughs> it's so funny. We're so funny, the things that we do and the programs that we subscribe to. And when we actually tune in, they're not even our truth or our beliefs. So just get a bit clear on that. Open up your wallet, give it a little clean out and and look at the messages that you're sending to the universe. That's right. Yes. Okay. The last one is what is one of the most important things that we can do for more love in our life? You start with yourself. And you begin by looking into your own eyes. This is directly from Louise Hay. And for 30 days, morning and night, 
you gaze into your own eyes in your mirror and you say, I love you. I really love you. And after about day 20, you're going to see someone coming into your eyes who really loves you. And that's the beginning. Mm, So beautiful. Such a simple exercise that we can do. It's free. You can do it at home every day. I highly, highly recommend it. I'm a massive fan of Louise Hay and her mirror work. If you don't know what I'm talking about, grab her books. We'll link to it in the show notes because it really is life-changing self-love work. You got it. Now, is there anything else that you want to share, any parting words of wisdom or anything that you want to talk about that I may not have asked you about? I want to tell women because there's going to be someone who can use this. I started a company with the herb Peraria Morifica for its incredible effects in perimenopause, on sexuality, menopause, if you're having period problems. This herb Peraria Morifica that's imported from Thailand really is helpful. So if someone's having that kind of issue, check out amatalife.com. That is my company, so I want people to know about it. And then the other thing is with my e-letter, you just go to drnorthrup.com. It's got the blog. It's got the radio show descriptions and the books. Everything is over there. And we will link to all of that in the show notes so anyone can head on over there and you'll have all of those links to everything that we have spoken about today. So before I go, I have one more question for you. I'm a massive believer in service and being of service to the world and to you. So I want to know what I personally can do and the listeners can do to serve you today. Oh my God, that is a wonderful thing. (laughs) Here's what you can do. You can just say, I now send Dr. Northrup divine love and I'll feel it. So you, you use your body as the crystal that it is, and it expands the energy, and you just send divine love and gratitude toward me, and then that will make me even more full to do the work I do. That's wonderful. Mm, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being here and for sharing all of your wisdom and knowledge with us. You are such a light. You are such a beautiful human being. I'm so grateful that you are out there writing these books, doing the podcasts, the blogs, the speaking tours and everything else that you do. And you are blazing a trail and you're being such a powerful light worker. And I'm so grateful and so honored to have you on the show. And I feel like we should definitely get you back on just to do a whole one on menopause, the wisdom of menopause. Yes. Yes. But I just want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for all that you are, all the work that you do and for sharing with us so beautifully today. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure and an honor. Wasn't that amazing? Isn't she incredible? Not only so full of knowledge and wisdom, but such a nice person. Seriously, couldn't you just feel the love radiating out of her? I definitely could. I loved today's episode so much and I got so much out of it. And if you did too, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app. 
because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And don't forget to tell me on social media, either on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, who you would like me to have on the show. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 143. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. Another thing I wanted to mention was that if you haven't got my latest book, Open Wide, A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships, and Soulful Sex, all you have to do is head to melissarambrosini.com forward slash open wide to get your copy now. And when you're there, you also get access to my free open wide video masterclass that Nick and I created just for you. And it's totally free. So make sure you go and check it out. Everybody is loving it so far. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, make sure you head on over to iTunes right now and leave me a review. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here. Every week, twice a week, I just love and adore you guys so much and I love doing this show for you. And I'm so grateful that you're here and I'm just so proud of you for showing up, doing the work and for wanting to be the best version of yourself and for showing up today. You seriously rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please be an angel and share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, Do whatever you have got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.